0: things I think that you're probably sensing from us is that the dollar is very important to us as a tool, a tool of American power and also a tool of American values. So we would much prefer to put sanctions on a country than send our soldiers there. Um, as you know, uh, the, the power that we have because of that, because of the banking system is significant. You can see some of the outlaw states that we have today We're able to work with our colleagues around the world to do something about what they're doing because of the power of the dollar. So when something threatens the dollar, we get very nervous, and I think we should be, because that's something that, um, that again, has been very useful for foreign, uh, you know, foreign, uh, um, how would I say it, projecting American values and foreign power. Do you understand all that fairly clearly? I think you do. I mean, you've been hinting at that, but I want you to make sure that you understand that, because it, it, you're playing in a space It is a delicate space for us.
1: Uh, Congressman, at at a high level, I certainly understand it. uh, And that's why part of what we're doing is trying to design the system uh, from the ground up so it can enforce U.S. sanctions, travel rule, a number of the regulations that are important for um, creating stability and security around the world. And that's, I think some of what is at stake here is that I just think that if we don't innovate, there's no guarantee that we'll be able to extend those same rules um, and and project that kind of influence around the world going forward. I think we we need to innovate as a country in order to keep on ensuring that we can do that. Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. Uh, What's going on, guys? So obviously, yesterday was a big day. Uh, It is now Thursday, October 24th. Uh, Yesterday was the six-hour marathon session, um, grilling, really, of Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook CEO, uh, by the Congress, by the House Financial Services Committee, all about Libra, theoretically. Um, In point of fact, it was mostly not about Libra. It was about Facebook's uh, track record on diversity, its track record on data, the lack of trust that Facebook has. It was about political agendas as it relates to everything from free speech to anti-vaxxing to God knows what else. Um, It was a wild, weird day. And obviously, for those of you who watched yesterday, I did my own um, recap of everything. Uh, But in doing so, I missed a lot of what other people were saying. So I wanted to start today, and I'm going to keep this uh, brief because you obviously got a ton of Libra yesterday. Um, I wanted to go through quickly what some of the other folks out there were saying. So first of all was the reaction from everyone outside of crypto. Uh, You saw this. So uh, Libra, a payment system, a cryptocurrency, an exotic systemically risky financial instrument that just happens to fall through existing regulatory cracks proposed by a company with gobs of private data and a history of misusing it. Um, This is kind of one uh, this is almost like the informed, uh, kind of understand techie general take outside of the crypto industry. The less informed take, which was embodied in, uh, you know, Instagram posts from celebrities and all this sort of stuff, was almost entirely the gotcha moments uh, that had to do with election meddling, that had to do with fact checking or not fact checking political ads, right? If you ask the average person who heard about this hearing yesterday, what it was about, they would have no idea that it was about Libra uh, or cryptocurrency or a payment thing or anything it was just uh it was an affirmation that this is just one more kind of social media stage i mean this might as well be a damn instagram wall practically speaking uh for these politicians right um which we talked about extensively yesterday but that was kind of the world's reaction right outside of crypto Within crypto, you had uh, a couple different reactions. One was the, this affirms and is a reminder of how powerful it was that Satoshi Nakamoto decided to be anonymous, uh, right? So Pomp here with the reminder, Bitcoin CEO was unavailable for today's hearing. Uh, that was echoed um, in Warren uh, Warren Davidson, Congressman Warren Davidson's comments yesterday on the record, uh, joking about how it was hard to get Satoshi to appear uh, for, for a subpoena. Um, but then I think that the overall, I would say the biggest reaction that I saw from crypto Twitter folks is mostly what you heard from me yesterday. Uh, Nicholas Merton here says, I'm disgusted with the lack of quality dialogue and questions our elected representatives have had for Mark Zuckerberg on Libra. It shows a clear lack of care or concern for actual progress and exactly why financial technology is stuck in the 21st century. Uh, Over here, uh, Robbie Soav from Reason Magazine says, uh, Congress asked... Mark Zuckerberg a bunch of really, really stupid questions at the Libra hearing, um, which is a, both a bit on the nose and a bit accurate. Um, Balaji said, like so many founders, VCs, execs watching Zuckerberg hearing with the same thoughts, so much grand and scape grandstanding and scapegoating. So much hysteria about Bainutia. Demands are contradictory. Impossible to satisfy these people, but they have guns. This is the U.S. government. He brought out some of the the best hits. Um, Like I mentioned, here's one duly elected congressman asking Mark why Facebook is filtering information on vaccines. Here's another one asking Mark why he hasn't memorized diversity stats for 21 organizations. Here's Maxine Waters telling Zuck that standing for freedom of speech is holding himself above the law. Um, Some of these, except maybe the anti-vax one, are tame compared to some of the stuff I remember seeing, Uh, you know, is just this feels like um, what a a lot of folks uh, what a lot, a lot of folks uh, felt at this. And actually, I want to go find one from Nick Carter um, because I thought this one was uh, really particularly summed it up for me. He says struggling to think of a form of discourse worse than politicians dragging CEOs in front of Congress to make them the unwilling subjects of a made for Instagram viral moment. It's gratifying to see certain unaccountable tech feudal Lords take their lumps, but it's also a pretty stupid waste of time. You don't want truth or accountability. You want to post dragon queen in the comments of a clip where your favorite political entertainer hurls a metaphorical tomato at the face of the villain du jour trapped in the village stocks. Um, Once again, uh, Nick, proves that if this whole crypto thing doesn't work out, he can go right for a profession. But second, and more importantly, I mean, this really captures it, right? Like these public public appearances are supposed to be in the public interest. They're supposed to be uh, an example of our elected representatives doing their job to understand really important uh, moments and really important parts of our discourse. And instead we do tend to get now these gotcha moments. Um, Now, of course, we're really debating Debating and arguing about two different things. One is just what the nature of uh, of political discourse is in this country, and then two is uh, what 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 should be happening as it relates to crypto and and uh, and Libra specifically. Um, the 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 nature of political discourse in this country is way beyond the scope of this, but. Uh, I don't think there's anyone on any side of the aisle who thinks that it's anything other than total trash. Um, second, when it comes to Libra, the the single biggest challenge that Libra has always had is the fact that it's coming from Facebook. It's not the audacity of the mission. It's not the even things like uh, setting it up in Switzerland. It's the fact that it's uh, Mark Zuckerberg who's trying to do that. And uh, And that was really, I think, the the biggest takeaway that we saw over and over and over again, if you were outside crypto. For those in the, of us in crypto, the, the, the obvious sentiment was frustration. And a real sincere, uh, you know, disconcerning feeling that these elected officials just weren't taking their responsibility seriously, with few exceptions. So uh, that was the Libra recap that I saw. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw different reactions as well. Um, But actually, I want to take this moment uh, and this last tweet from Nick Carter to jump into something very different that I'm excited to announce. Uh, So today... I announced a new project uh, with Coindesk. So it's a pop-up podcast uh, called Bitcoin Macro. And so let me give you the idea of this. Basically, um, the idea of a pop-up podcast is something that I've been turning around for a while, and it's a podcast that doesn't do the normal weekly schedule thing, and it doesn't live on uh, for perpetuity, right? It is instead about um, about having a topic that is really interesting for a specific period of time uh, and putting a bunch of great bingeable content in, in that topic, right? So short, high impact, topical bingeable. Um, so uh, CoinDesk has this event coming up called Invest New York City, Invest New York, uh, just next month. I'll be speaking at it, I'll be moderating a session all about basically uh, crypto Twitter battles but come to real life, which should be fun. Um, but. Uh, they were thinking about they have this really strong emphasis on uh, the the relationship of bitcoin in the macro environment and previously uh, coindesk has been critiqued by some for not giving bitcoin its fair due right for being more focused on the blockchain side of the house um, and I think that the the way that they've programmed this to me suggested that there was a really strong clear imperative to that they got what was the most important thing to so many of us which is bitcoin and so basically we put together this pop-up podcast that'll be running over the course of the next couple of weeks uh, the first three um, podcasts dropped, uh, they are uh, Nick Carter, who you saw, um, they are uh, Caitlin Long, and it's Travis Kling. So all of them are answering a really similar set of questions, which is one, uh, is Bitcoin uh, a macro asset? Two, is Bitcoin a safe haven asset? And three, uh, how will Bitcoin fare in a recession? Um, so it's all super interesting stuff, but I thought just for the sake of uh, of 3 at 3, we could maybe go look at... Um, what these folks uh, were were tweeting about. So obviously you saw what Nick was tweeting about. Um, Caitlin Long and Travis uh, Kling, however, tweeting about something different. They are talking about the repo markets. Um, So for those of you who have been following along uh, here or just with mainstream financial markets um, the the repo markets are basically a bank to bank lending facility where banks cover their obligations by lending from other banks uh, it 's an overnight facility and um, and it 's one of the supposed to be one of the more stable one of the most uh, easy to kind of function types of loans in the entire markets right because it 's banks who are lending to other banks um, over the last few months basically the um the the overnight repo rate the the rate of interest at which banks are lending to each other has gone up significantly it's it's lost its kind of uh, theoretical peg or, or mirroring at least of the larger kind of Fed funds rate. And um, and so that's obviously a huge cause for concern. It suggests that there's some amount of uh, liquidity crisis where uh, people don't want to lend out money. And so the Fed has been injecting huge amounts of money. And it started a few weeks ago uh, with uh, billions and billions of, of uh, basically the Fed offering repo facilities. Um, and then it became, I think, as of maybe not last week, but the week before that, an ongoing offering starting in kind of Mid October. And so Travis Kling here says temporary repo facility uh, size increased from 75 billion to 120 billion today. Permanent repo facility size increased from 35 billion to 45 billion today. There are problems with dollar liquidity right now and they're getting worse. So this was interesting to me for a couple reasons, um, but one of them is that on the uh, the Bitcoin macro podcast that he did with Nolan Bowerly, who's the head of strategy at Coindesk, Travis actually made the argument that the repo market action from a couple weeks ago was tied to the Bitcoin price decrease when we went from like 10,000 down to 8,000. And what he, his argument basically was that it's not that there's a direct clear correlation. It's just that a little bit of a liquidity crunch, if you're talking about ripples in the global market, when there's so little, when the relative size of Bitcoin is still so small, uh, it can can have these big impacts. So um, I thought that was super interesting, uh, and and I wanted to actually share maybe just a clip from uh, from Bitcoin Macro with Travis right now uh, around this topic. So I'm gonna turn myself off, I'm gonna turn this on, and I'll just let you listen to uh, this clip from Travis.
0: Through this dollar shortage situation that has been certainly all over mainstream financial media, and, and for good reason, looks like 2006 yeah I mean there's there, there's aspects it, the, the, the 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 first symptom of this dollar shortage situation first first popped up when when the the Fed funds was offsides from the from the overnight offer rate mm-hmm. and then you had the repo market and that's been that's been going on now for like six months mm-hmm. and that's it, that's not supposed to happen mm-hmm. the rational actor explanation for why that uh, uh, spread between Fed funds and overnight, uh, uh, the, the the Fed funds rate and the overnight offer rate would persistently stay open is one that's uh, kind of scary. And then we had the repo market blowout last week, and you had um, the, uh, the Treasury uh, Fed had to have to step in and essentially issue fifty three billion dollars worth of quantitative easing to to uh, assuage this this situation. And People, you know, Jay Powell at the Fed meeting last week, and others are calling this transitory, saying, "Oh, oh, this is this is um, because corporations have to pay their their cash taxes right now, even though." They have to pay cash taxes every time this year, so everybody should know that that's going on. Um, they're saying that that it's it's because of um, the six hundred billion dollars worth of treasuries that are going to be issued issued between now and the end of the year, six hundred billion of treasuries issued between now and the end of the year. Um, that's sucking up all the dollars. There's 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 probably some truth to that, but um, this is exactly what happened right before Lehman, mm-hmm. and um, they said it was transitory then too. And I'm not saying that there's a Lehman lurking around the corner because I, I, I don't think that there is, but but there are problems starting to, to show up here. The the global economic data is undoubtedly turning down right now, mm-hmm. um, and it's turning down uh, uh, in, in 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 concert. Every it's all turning down at the same time. It's all turning down at the same time because the whole world is is now on this this central bank trade mm-hmm. and on this this cheap money trade. But it's apparent that central banks are going to cut interest rates and juice QE into infinity mm-hmm. to to either prevent a recession or prevent the the so, or, or kind of have the, the recession be as soft as possible, mm-hmm. um, and 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 those forms of, of quantitative easing are going to be increasingly more exotic because in the in the same way that you know if you do heroin long enough then you got to keep t- taking a bigger and bigger shot of heroin, mm-hmm. um, you need you need increasingly more exotic forms of QE. Um, to to get uh, a, a similar type of effect, because if you if you're in, if you're in Europe and you cut interest rates from from negative forty bips to negative fifty bips, it, it just it just doesn't make that big of a difference.
1: So, um, obviously, super interesting stuff. I, uh, I, I'm i really proud of this. I think it's a really cool project. So we've got the first three, like I said, that launched uh, today, and then the rest will be launched tomorrow. If you're interested in where Bitcoin meets the macro environment, which I imagine if you're watching me, you probably are, um, definitely go check it out. Uh, and so with that, let's actually just shift over real quickly to uh, our third topic for the day. Um, we're going to do just a quick little uh, news uh, quick hits, right, because um, we, did it just, we went so long yesterday. I want to keep this one a little bit more compact uh, and I used like part of it for announcements. So I just want to do a uh, quick annou- uh, news that I thought was interesting. First, you have BACT who are launching another product. Uh, They're launching options on Bitcoin futures uh, December 9th. So, to me, this is kind of an example of uh, this. You know, when BACT first launched, a lot of the narrative around it, which was always going to happen, was um, it was overblown. It was expected to do this huge stuff and and it really didn't. Uh, The the whole point of BACT in the market and the whole point of actors like BACT in the market is to make them somewhat more rational uh, and, and allow actors to participate in new ways. Um, expanding the set of, of products that are available to them is a key part of that. So uh, I think this is bullish news, right? Back is, is continuing to do more things, offer more products, um, and they're seeing some uh, uptick in the, in the volume of those products. So Again, as we said then, the weight of view backed is definitely not as a uh, how did it work within the first week or two. It's uh, what does the long term look like? So that was worth uh, mentioning that. Second, um, CFTC, man, providing the the only bright spots in what is a, a kind of a aggressive regulatory environment right now in the US. So obviously a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, CFTC chair Heath Tarbert um, made the announcement that they officially considered Ethereum a commodity. Um, now they just announced that they are making their fintech uh, and blockchain Research lab, a full-fledged office within this. So, long story short, they had created this kind of initiative within the general counsel's office to explore some of these new things. Um, that's now a uh, a full office within the CFTC that reports directly up um, uh, to the chairman. I think I think that, that I read. Um, and uh, and so again, what what I like about this is, especially after seeing just uh, how much um, how much kind of uh, derision and and not even paying attentionness there was from most uh, elected officials um, on the uh, uh, in Congress yesterday as it related to Libra and cryptocurrencies more broadly seeing these offices actually commit ongoing resources not just kind of one-off resources to really understand um, things like uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchains and new technology I think is encouraging so um, I thought that was really positive news um, and then lastly it's actually more of a shout out so this comes from Devcon a couple weeks ago uh, Mariano Conti is uh, he works for Dai. He lives in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He's native Argentinian. Um, And he has, for like the last three or four years, lived basically exclusively on crypto. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I, I think is so interesting to me is how much everything is about context, right? So actually, let me go back over to um, to Nick's uh, podcast, and we'll tie it in here. So when Nick was asked the question about this idea of uh, whether Bitcoin was a safe haven uh you know, he he really said that it, it it depends. It depends on what your context is. So his exact quote was if you are fleeing a country with just the clothes on your back and you want to take your savings with you, Bitcoin is an excellent safe haven. If you're happy to tolerate some of that exchange risk for the duration of the period in exchange for being able to store your savings in 12 phrase, phrases in your brain, from that perspective, it's a great save haven. But for a global macro allocator that cares about correlations and volatility, maybe it's not as good. But it's a lot of things to different people. It's kind of a heterogeneous asset. Um, I think that like So I got to spend time with Mariano uh, down in in Argentina earlier this year, and that was my reflection as well, was like, this is a thing where it's so hard to get outside of our own context for what Bitcoin or what any of these crypto assets might mean. Uh, But for someone who's dealing with, you know, Argentina is hardly like a failed state. This is a a thriving place with tons of smart people and tons of interesting businesses, Um, but a a, a relatively kind of back and forth political environment that uh, is often subject to capital controls, depending. Depending on who's in power um, and real volatility around the, the the value of their currency. And it's, you know, they've dealt with 50% inflation over the last couple of years, which obviously can just wipe out people's savings. Um, Mariana has been able to avoid all of that first through using Bitcoin and then Ethereum or Ether and then later and for the biggest majority of time uh, by being paid and and converting into it. So this is him telling his story. Um, I love it. It's not just that he's a friend, although he is. Uh, I think it's a a really important uh, kind of reflection. And I think that the other piece about this that's important to me is that This type of story is not meant to overstate uh, how usable and useful these tools are now. For me, the the thing that I keep coming back to is having spent most of my life exploring uh, crisis situations and thinking I was gonna go into conflict zones as as my job and my career and my life. Um, The fact that there there are these non-state monies uh, that are on the table that allow people to opt out of their systems, and maybe it's just a small fraction of people right now, uh, but the fact that they exist exist is in and of itself um, phenomenal. And it's hard to remember that when we get caught up in the day-to-day and the infighting uh, and the Congress asking about vaccinations. Um, but it's friggin' rad, and it's rad that you're here, um, and I appreciate you hanging out. So uh, thanks for hanging out, guys. I will be back tomorrow with kind of a week wrap-up, I'm sure. Uh, and for now, I will talk to you later. Peace.